Hello, beautiful, and welcome to Finding Fertility. Happy Friday! Today is Friday, and it is almost the end of April. Time is just flying by, even though we are in these crazy times. I really hope April has been a month of rejuvenation, new beginnings, clearer mindsets, and all around a time to take action or that you have been taking action. We've got a lot of stuff going on over at findingfertility.co and I am super pumped to be helping and supporting so many of you right now. We still have about a week left of our special April off that I'm giving you to really kickstart your fertility health journey to get clear, focused, and get steps closer to creating your dream family. Now, I know it is a very big, scary commitment to work with me for eight weeks, physically, mentally, and financially. So I am giving you a chance in the month of April and if it goes well and it fits into everyone's schedule and the universe is like, hey, we need this and I'll extend it for a little bit longer. But right now it is just April time only. I'm offering one-on-one, one-hour coaching sessions. Now this is not just, hey, give me a call and we'll talk some things out. You actually have to take some time, fill in some forms, These forms are pretty in-depth and it gives me a big snapshot of what is going on throughout your whole body. And what we do is we get on the phone, we have a really good conversation, and then after that, I take some time and do a four-week plan for you to really kickstart your fertility health journey. Now this one-on-one coaching session can literally buy back time save you time and increase your chances of getting pregnant naturally or if you are planning on going back to the clinics when they reopen increasing your chances of getting healthy beautiful eggs and your husband can do this along the side you know these forms um, you can download two copies and he can do it along and kind of see if he would like to book a one-on-one session as well or do a couple's coaching session we can always work that out On top of that, if you were thinking about doing some functional testing either with your doctor or your clinic and that's just not possible for you at the moment because they're not offering those services, I am offering a one-time order form so you can order up to three different functional tests. Once again, I will get you to fill out a four not a handful four forms and that I will review and once I get your testing back we'll put that and make a huge picture and try to really pinpoint exactly where your fertility issues are if you've been here long enough you know that it's most likely your fertility issues are not in your lady bits they're hiding somewhere else and we're going to get down to that root cause so those are two amazing offers i'm offering for the month of april i'm also opening up the trying to conceive and beyond forum boards over on findingfertility.co Now, this is a monthly membership that you can join. You actually get seven free days. 
If you joined up for this round of the 10 day challenge, you actually receive a month's free of these forum boards. And these are highly interactive, very specific forum boards to get the exact support and help you need. Now, this is not like Facebook. You can't go on and get distracted about Auntie Joe or who got pregnant yesterday. This is for you to really hone in and connect with like-minded people and get my support. Any questions that you have, I answer them to my best abilities. Any words of wisdom that you need right now in your journey, or even if you just need to vent to people that get your situation, this is the place to be. So make sure you head over to findingfertility.co backslash fertility health coaching and check out the TTC and beyond forum boards. Remember, you get a seven day free trial. You get unlimited access to the support you need and deserve during this time. So without further ado, I know I like to have a good ramble. Let's get to today's podcast episode. Today we have Jackie on and Jackie is going to share her story, not only her infertility story, but about some of the issues she had after she um, conceived. And, you know, I feel like that's a really big issue that we don't address in the infertility world. What happens when you get pregnant after you have that baby? So welcome on to the podcast, Jackie. Yeah, thank you, Monica. I'm so excited to be on here and to get to share something that I am just extremely passionate about. And as we were just talking about, you know, hindsight is just so important. And so I'm really hoping that my story can really reach someone out there who might think like, oh my gosh, I might I might be having what she had. I might be feeling what she felt. So just really trying to connect with even one person out there. Yeah, great. So tell us a little bit about your uh, fertility journey. Yeah. So when I started, gosh, it was like in 2012 was my first miscarriage and was really not as overpowering as I expected it to be. It just really didn't feel like it was the perfect time. I just started a career, literally was starting the next day at a new job and my husband and I weren't married yet. And just kind of like really just believed in God having a plan at that time, rather naive, but that is what I felt at the time. Little did I know what was up ahead. Uh, fast forward a year later, I had our second miscarriage and that time it was perfect. We had been pregnant for six months, you know, planned everything. I already went 50 years ahead of, of our future and looking at names, nurseries, you name it, you know, just completely fell in love with that baby immediately finding out we were pregnant. And so that was pretty devastating and very emotional. But again, trusting in my faith, thinking there must be, you know, something ahead of me. Um, so sorry, I'm going to take sorry. you yeah. a step back. Did you yeah. say you, you lost your pregnancy at six months? No, oh, sorry. Six we had, months. we had been married for six oh, months. So, you know, everything was okay. perfect. Yeah. Right? Okay. Like, Oh, okay. Everything's yeah, yeah. perfect this time. It's going to work. Why would I think it wouldn't? Yeah. So many of us think, okay, you know, having one, not that uncommon. Yes. So the second time you get pregnant, like, yes, this is it. Like, this is perfect. And so, yeah. Um, but unfortunately was not the case for us. So did start diving into the wonderful Clomid, you know, had to do that round and um, was not successful. So we finally were able to meet with our fertility specialist and what a dream. I mean, nobody wants to go into those offices, right? No one is excited, but the office and the doctor that I worked with was amazing. So we were able to start with IUI which was also something I was really excited about because I was a little bit older mom. And so not being thrown into IVF was really just a little bit less anxiety ridden for me. 
And so we were really lucky and we got pregnant again with our first IUI, which is really beating the odds, right? So many statistics, you don't get pregnant on the first IUI. So we thought, oh my gosh, this has got to be it. I worked for four months, getting my environment healthy, changing my diet, changing my lifestyle, you know, losing weight, doing everything right. Cause I'm kind of the type A personality, just a little bit of that A plus student. So I did everything to a T. So of course it was going to work, right? So unfortunately then at our ultrasound, we found out that the baby wasn't growing well. Um, and so it was not going to be a viable pregnancy. And that was pretty much rock bottom for me. And then what made it worse was my body was really confusing me because I wasn't miscarrying. Mm-hmm. I had miscarried the two previous pregnancies. And now it's like, what the heck is wrong with your body? Like, what is going on? So went to 13 weeks of being pregnant, knowing that my baby was no longer growing. And so ended up doing a medically induced, um, you know, miscarriage and holy hell, had no idea what I was getting into. And so for any of you who have done that, just huge hugs. It is painful, physically painful, emotionally, just extremely not anything I could have imagined in my nightmares, right? And yeah. So, yeah. A miss miscarriage. I had one. That was my first miscarriage. Um, mm-hmm. Is a very weird thing if you decide. For me, I was. It was a frozen embryo transfer. We found out at seven weeks mm-hmm. the baby didn't have a heartbeat, and they said, "Would you like medical treatment?" And I was like, "No, I'm sick yeah. of people going near my vagina. I, like <laughs> I will have a miscarriage," and. I don't know if at that stage I was over Googling, um, mm-hmm. but there was absolutely no support from the clinic. And I yeah. didn't read anything about having a miscarriage or what a mis- miscarriage was. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure I went over two weeks before my body um, decided to release it. And the fetus was big enough that I went through contractions. It wasn't wow. a normal period. Um, mm-hmm. And then like, probably like you type a, I, you know, had a horrific day. I was on my own, which is even worse. Mm. And, um, I thought the next day I woke up, I was fine. So I just did anything and everything. And I ended up in the ER because I just was heavy bleeding again. And I, I'm sure everything was fine, but at that stage I had, I was like, right, I need help. I need some kind of guidance Mm -hmm. if this is normal, you know, so it's a, a very big subject that is not talked about the missed miscarriages and what yes. to do with it. And um, mm-hmm. when you do go have a DNC, what that is all about, you know, it's right. taboo, right? There's a lot of taboos yeah. in the infertility world. Yeah. And I just, um, it was five weeks that I had been waiting. Yeah. And I just, I just couldn't do it. Like mentally, it was just such torture. Yeah. And feeling pregnant, having all the symptoms of being pregnant was just such it was just so much chaos going on in my body and my mind. And so we did choose to go that route. And um, it was just such a crazy time in our life. My husband was sick at the time, but we thought just maybe like bronchitis. Uh, so he was having to carry me, right? Because it was so painful. I couldn't really walk and the bleeding was so heavy. I mean, we're getting graphic here, people, but this is the reality. Yeah, that's the reality. Yeah. And so come to find out two days later, I was rushing him to the ER and he was hospitalized and he was in the ICU while I was miscarrying. And I mean, just such an isolating feeling because I'm chasing the gurney around in the hospital, bleeding, feeling horrific Mm -hmm. and wasn't able to grieve and was so focused on him. He was on bed rest for the next eight weeks. His mother-in-law or my mother-in-law came in a ton. I mean, it was just like 
the biggest shitstorm. Excuse me, but that's really what it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. You and can cuss so, on this podcast. <laughs> all right, free. but I'm going to definitely <laughs> let go. So, <laughs> so it was a, a, a shitstorm for sure. And what I realized was, wow, like I did not take care of myself during that time because I couldn't. I mean, I just, I couldn't. And so about a month later was when I really was just getting into some depression. And so I researched everything. If you ever look me up, I am like a total research guru. I research everything under the stars that there possibly is. So I was like, okay, I'm going to conquer this grieving thing. I'm going to take it on. All right. I need to grieve, you know, losing three babies now and all in different ways and very different emotions surrounding them. So I did like a whole little getaway and did everything they recommended. And what was really cool about that weekend though, is I learned a lot about how rare it was to have three consecutive miscarriages. And so for some reason, I found comfort in that. And I don't know what it was, but it started to feel like, okay, so maybe there is something going on more that I need to dig into. And so, you know, and that may be weird. Some people might feel more isolated, but to me, it was like, okay, well then what is going on? Let's dig deeper. Yeah. And but I wasn't, a lot of yeah. women get um, told have three miscarriages before we'll do anything. Right. Which is so crazy. So thankfully uh. I only went through two. I mean, wow. Listen to what we're saying. I only went through two losses. I mean, it's just it's a fucked up world that we live in, but it is the reality. And so, you know, trying to decide if we were going to go again, because the third one was just so tough. My husband was still so sick. You know, we were supposed to start in January and I was just like, I don't know. And I did this weekend getaway, thought I was really doing some self-care, you know, was doing it all self-driven, right? Like you said, there wasn't really anything out there that I could find that really spoke to me. My clinic wasn't, they were amazing, but they didn't help me emotionally. And so I received this amazing gift and it was from a friend who had gone through fertility treatments and they were blessed with a baby and on the pendant, it said, be brave enough to try again. And it still makes me emotional because at the time I thought, oh my gosh, I've never thought of myself as being brave. Mm -hmm. But I think that's something that we all talk about, like brave, badass women, fertility warriors. Like once you get into this world, you start hearing all the things, but before you get into it, you don't associate being brave. Like you associate a whole lot of other words, like I'm going crazy or I'm obsessed or whatever, but feeling brave was just such an empowering feeling for me. And something that I thought, okay, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this one more time. So we did. And again, blessed again, getting pregnant on our second IUI. Uh, we were pregnant with twins. And funny thing is I absolutely swore I wasn't pregnant, right? Nothing felt the same. And everyone's like, that's a good sign, Jackie, because every other time you're pregnant, it ended in a miscarriage. So was pregnant with twins and, and at five weeks ended up having ovarian torsion, was rushed to the ED, was treated horrifically. That was an extremely traumatic experience. They kept telling me I was having an ectopic pregnancy, wanted to give me medications, wanted to do a DNC, wanted to just do everything under the sun to terminate this pregnancy. And I am a nurse. My husband's a nurse. And we're pretty laid back when we go into the hospital. We try to give them the benefit of the doubt. But <laughs> at one point, I believe my husband yelled at the PA. And then I went off on the PA like, I'm pregnant with twins. I don't care how far along they are. You need to you know, do everything to save my babies. And finally, our angel OB came in and said, no, you're very much pregnant. You have an ovarian torsion. I'm going to help you. It's no problem. So, and explain you know, uh, I, what that is. Yeah. With the ovary. Sorry. So, yep. So, um, so my ovaries became the size of grapefruits because of all of the medications. So the hyperstimulating ovarian syndrome. And so one of my ovaries was so enlarged that it was so heavy, it twisted. 
Okay. And yeah, uh, it's excruciatingly painful. And so anyone who's done an IVF round knows that even before egg collection, it is like you're Mm -hmm. walking around with grapefruits in you. So to to go that next step, or unfortunately, if you Mm -hmm. get to that next step, I can't, I am, I was fortunate. It never happened to me, but I couldn't even imagine because yeah, it's, it's excruciating. Yeah. 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 I totally understand. I used to when for both IUIs, they just say, could they just put a sling inside of me and help me carry my ovaries around? Cause they just felt so heavy. And so yeah, having it twisted was really painful. Um, so then with this pregnancy, we did end up, um, losing one of our, our twins. So at 13 weeks, uh, the second baby's heart stopped beating. So I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is just crazy. I was on bed rest for eight weeks. And so I'm giving all these details because this really leads up to what happened to me then when we finally were able to hold our baby. Right. Right. So my pregnancy was amazing. I actually had a really good pregnancy after the first trimester, after being nauseous and after being on bed rest for eight weeks and all the ovary issue, having to be inverted for 30 minutes twice a day. I mean, just crazy things, but we do whatever it takes. Right. I mean, we do whatever it takes. And so with blessed, had my baby at exactly 30 weeks to the day and she didn't have to go into the NICU and we were just so blessed. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is it, right? Like everything is amazing. Yeah. Let me take you back real quick. Was yeah. there any kind of like, dis- like um, investigation of why you were having these reoccurring miscarriages, especially with, you know, oh, yeah. the four babies, was there any investigation of why or any answers? Yeah. So I don't have typical diagnoses that most women find at the fertility clinic. My um, fertility specialist is a huge out of the box thinker, which what a blessing. And so he actually specializes in healthcare workers. There's been a ton of research about autoimmunity and your immune system becoming overactive when you're in healthcare. Well, I was in pediatric ICU. So I was with the sickest, dirtiest, most germs you could possibly imagine. 12 years of my career. So what they ended up doing was really um, reducing my immune system because what okay. was happening, I was attacking my baby. Yeah. So you had and high I, NK cells, which that's what yes, I had exactly. as well. Yep. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So I haven't met many people who have had high NK. So yeah. I try to not say the terminology, but yes, I yeah. um, So then I also had a, a blood clotting issue as well. And so I wasn't able to get blood flow. So I was on heparin, um, 752 shots of heparin. (laughs) Heparin's extremely painful. Like I'm like, give me hormone injections any day. The heparin leaves like welts and bruises all over your body and worth it. But I'm like, Ooh, that was, that was difficult. So. Yep. And did they, what did they uh, use for your NK cells? So I actually did IV lipids for several weeks, um, right after the IUI. And then when I was pregnant and then, um, I also had progesterone issues as well too. So I was on the wonderful progesterone suppositories as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So and with all, things. because you mentioned before, you know, doing the diet and lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, have you gone into any of that deeper of like figuring out the core root of, um, like fixing the gut or anything? Yep. So I drastically changed my diet and I've stuck to a lot of that too. So I had to do really high protein. So like 110 grams of protein a day, and then only 50 carbs, grams of carbs a day. And I had to exercise to get my heart rate at a very specific target for at least 30 minutes every day. I mean, my plan was so specific to help with inflammation too. Okay. And who were you getting this from? My actual, my endocrinologist. Okay. Yep. So he was very um, 
comprehensive in his treatment plan. So I did a lot of research after he would tell me, I'm like, what is he talking about? You know? yeah. so, but the fact that he was, he is very much about fixing the environment first, which so many of the coaches in the world right now are talking about fixing the environment first, not just throwing the medications at it. And I was so blessed that I had that from the start. And that I think really helped us be able to have, you know, finally a healthy baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So there you are. You think you have the diet, yeah. the lifestyle, yep. um, finally have your rainbow baby. Yep. Um, what happens? <sighs> yeah. Um, so I talked about being that A plus student, right? So I even only gained like 30 pounds, right? That was like the, you know, the expected weight. I mean, I did everything I was supposed to do. So just thought miraculously everything was going to be perfect. You know, I knew I'd be tired. I knew it'd be hard. I wasn't naive. My husband and I both were peas nurses. So like we, we kind of had a little bit of an understanding. Um, but things just started unraveling for me and I didn't notice it. Again, we keep talking about hindsight. So when you're in it, you just think it's hormones or, you know, I was crying a lot, but then it was like happy tears. Cause I was just so emotional that I was finally holding my baby. And then it would be worry, a lot of worry. And like, I wasn't sleeping and I kind of thought, well, a lot of moms do this, right? I started normalizing what I was doing and, and talking myself into, I was normal. I wasn't sleeping cause I was watching her on the monitor, making sure she was breathing. Um, I didn't go out of my house. This is actually embarrassing to admit. I don't admit this a lot, but I didn't go out of my house for the first four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a lot of pain. I did have some physical issues, some tears and some major stitches. Um, but I also just wanted to stay in my bubble and wanted to be with her and just wanted to make sure she was safe. And, um, I started just really having some issues with our, our, we were supposed to have my mother-in-law again, bless her heart. She was coming to help us take care of of our baby. I was going to go back to work and her third day with us, she ended up being rushed via 911. We had to take her to the hospital. She was having a fib. So a heart issue. So she was not going to be able to take care of our baby. We had no daycare set up, eight month wait list on any of the local daycares and didn't know what we were going to do. And so I kept feeling like a little bit justified with some of my issues, right? Like, well, we don't have daycare now or, or she wasn't breastfeeding well at the beginning or this was happening. And so I was having a lot of anxiety, but I just kept thinking like, well, it was justified or it was okay, right? Like everybody has these worries. Everybody worries about their kid. And it was literally six months that went by, um, you know, that was really hard for me. We hired a nanny and I shook for hours. I stared, we had our cameras in every part of our house just to keep an eye on so I wouldn't miss out on something. I had like major fear of missing out on anything in her life. So I'd look at them for fun. But in the beginning, I would actually shake when I would leave the house and started kind of having these panic attacks at work. And, you know, a friend of mine, amazing friend of mine, very tactfully said, I think you need help. And it was such a like, what? You, oh, really? And she's like, I do, because you keep saying when this happens, I'm going to feel better. And it's just never happening for you. And it was such like a gentle shake, or like I said, she gently smacked me in the face, right? Like she's like, come on, friend. And my husband and I were just like, wow, we're both nurses. And that's why I'm so passionate about this because we know better. And I filled out every, you know, depression survey. Whenever you go to your OB, you fill all these things out and you know, they're like, no, you're fine. Everything's good. And so I went and got some help and I was diagnosed with severe um, PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome and postpartum anxiety. And I was like, postpartum anxiety. Okay. Well, this isn't talked about very much. You know, most people just talk about postpartum depression. And so, you know, me, I started researching everything (laughs) and the PTSD really shocked me. My husband's military. And so very much PTSD seems to be really associated with 
military, right? You, you picture the bombs going off or a firecracker going off and somebody curling up and getting really, you know, having those emotions with it. And so to hear that, because I had four losses, I had PTSD in that, oh, I was staying awake because I was afraid my daughter was going to die every night. Mm -hmm. I mean, those types of conversations just hit me so heavy and like was just such an awakening of, wow, I'm missing out on my daughter's life. The daughter that I fought so freaking hard for, and I'm missing out on it. And so, wow, I put in so much work then. I was determined that I was going to get better. I did so much research. Um, really, one of the things I learned about was mindfulness. So I know a lot of people know about mindfulness. I didn't really know much about it. And that was one of the things that was the most helpful thing I've done. And what it was was breathing, right? Something so simple. Breathing. Like, are you serious? <laughs> breathing is going to help me. But what I didn't realize is how much I was holding my breath. So mm-hmm. when you have a lot of anxiety, I don't know, have you ever... Did you suffer through any anxiety? Okay. So for anybody out there who's had anxiety, you hold your tension somewhere in your body. Well, I was holding mine in my jaw to the point that once I started learning how to deep breathe, my jaw was so sore from finally being relaxed. Yeah. It was just a crazy thing and that no one talks about. No one really likes to talk about anxiety either sometimes, but not to this extent of how to really help it. So and you see a lot of infertile, you know, women have major yeah. anxiety oh, issues and yeah. it's, it's not like an uncommon thing. I, right. I would go but out on a limb and say 60 to 70% of people yeah. dealing with infertility have major anxiety issues. Right. And we have a higher risk for it because we're pumped full of extra hormones too. So yeah. you have a higher risk for postpartum depression, but you also have a higher risk of postpartum anxiety, which just isn't talked about as much. And you know, so, so I did a lot of work with that. Um, I did essential oils. I'm really into the breathing in and and really getting that emotional mood. I was breastfeeding at the time. So I was like, I didn't want to do medications. I didn't want to stop breastfeeding. So it was like every natural thing that I could find, everything that I could do to really start working on that self-care, I was digging in deep. So, uh, for my panic attacks, I learned about what I call a magic object. So finding something that could stop me right then and there um, was really helpful too. So just and really, so let's, yeah. let's take a step back because, yeah. you know, you do, you were putting in the work mentally, you know, yeah. bef- while you're going through infertility. And this is why I talk about, you know, putting in the hard work while you're waiting or while you're going through this yeah. is so important because as shitty as infertility is, (laughs) it can get a whole lot shittier. You know, there's a lot of Mm -hmm. things that can happen. And when you put your mindset right and put in the hard work and do all those things and finding your own rhythm, you know, like I'm not advocating for one specific thing. I would say breathing a hundred percent. It is so insane what breathing can do for you. Mm -hmm. Um, But when these hard things like the miscarriages, stillbirths, you know, the depression after you have this baby, I've seen Mm -hmm. it so many times, women feel the guilt that they're feeling so shitty after how long and how much they've gone through to get this baby. And um, in reality, you know, it's not your fault that you feel this way, but you have to realize that um, those things can happen. And if you put in practices, especially if you have anxiety now or some kind of depression, mm-hmm. that you need to deal with that shit now because yeah. it's not going to go, it might, you might not get it when you have your baby, but 
I think, and you know, I, I've said this a few times on the, the podcast and it is with all, it comes from a good place. I'm not just saying, wait till you have kids, you'll see, right. but um, it, it can spiral. And like you found, yeah, you're missing out on your, you yeah. know, those first few months, you want to be there as much as you possibly can. You know, everyone mm -hmm. after we have a baby, um, you're going to have ups and downs, you know, and if you're in a mentally good spot, a better spot, you're going to be able to handle those ups and downs and not get into such a state. So yeah, I, I just want to go back and let you yeah. talk about, um, yeah, the hindsight now. Like, yes. What, yeah, what do you wish you would have done before mm -hmm. or, or how could you, um, how would you know that you needed to do that? Because you thought you were doing stuff, right? Right. I was, I was, I thought I was putting in the work. Like I really realized, you know, in hindsight, I had no idea how to grieve. I really didn't because especially how do you grieve something that majority of the people don't understand? Society doesn't always even I mean, like I was just talking about labeling miscarriages, like who cares what type of miscarriage it was? You lost your baby. And so, you know, hindsight, it's like, wow, I really, I was trying my hardest what I could do, but I didn't realize how much help was out there, how there were fertility coaches, how there were women in the fertility community that really had experienced similar situations that I had that I could have reached out to and gotten some more comfort and support that I should have really gotten some help with grieving, you know, losing three babies. If someone lost three people in their life in that short amount of time, of course they would be getting some serious therapy, but right. it, it's not viewed the same and which is really freaking frustrating, you know? And so looking back, like, wow, do I so wish that time in December when I was getting, when I thought I was really doing a lot of mental work that I would have reached out and gotten help, that I knew that there were people like you, like me, who are so passionate and want to help others and that they exist. I didn't even know that it existed. And so, you know, it was hard because our, our baby wasn't what you would call like an easy baby. So there were a lot of issues. She was born four weeks early and had a lot of GI issues, wasn't sleeping well. So I wasn't sleeping well. And so everything just got compounded. And, you know, if you have any bit of anxiety or any bit of grief that you haven't dealt with and really learned how to cope with, because it's not like it ever goes away. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, when I, what I didn't realize was I had like maybe one or two tools back then. And now I have like 30, yeah. <laughs> like I needed to really figure out what worked for me. And I needed to have a lot of different tools so that I could pull on them for different times. Like when I'm in front of people versus when I'm at home. Right. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> and sometimes right. you don't want to do like a certain tool, like you're right. you know, so frustrated that like, you're not going to sit down and write what you're grateful for. So right. what's a tool exactly. then to help with that frustration? Okay. Are you going right. to kickboxing or, punch, right. you know, punching a wall? I think it's perfectly acceptable to totally. help. You know? <laughs> So yeah, totally. it's, about, it's about finding a lot of things that you can do um, and finding out um, where you're holding it. Like you say in your jaw, like I have it yeah. in my hips, you know, I know yeah. I've overdone it um, without like giving myself self-care. Um, mm -hmm. It's in my hips and I can feel it at night and I'll, I'll lay down and go, oh, I'm so tired. And my hips are like, nope, you got to do some work, girl. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So recognizing those signs. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think the, that emotional awareness is so key. And it's something that we, as a society, I don't feel do a great job at because we just go, 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 yeah. right? Who has time to evaluate themselves? And so I think that's another key thing. And had I really had the ability to understand my emotional awareness at that time, 
or like I said, even just talking to other people who could have helped me gotten there. I just, you know, I can't go back in time and, and I can't change anything. And I've learned so much from it, but that hindsight is just, wow, what, what would I give to be in the state that I am now back then, right? And be just yeah. so much more prepared because you don't know what's going to happen with your <laughs> delivery and you're going to have your miracle, but you don't know what's going to be ahead. And so the stronger you are mentally to take on any of those challenges, it, it, it's just, it's priceless, absolutely priceless. Yeah. And it's, um, it's really hard to do the kind of, um, advanced care, right? It's yeah. really hard to look forward and go prepare for those situations because mm-hmm. obviously you don't want to hyper-focus on those situations. And that's not right. what we're saying that uh, prepare for the worst because also what the mindfulness and, um, you know, the gratefulness and knowing all your triggers is that on the good times, they're even greater. Right. You know, it's not, it's for both. It's for both good and bad, you know, and it's just finding that balance. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people might shy away from it too. But there's this stigma of like, well, just start a meditation, you know, <laughs> practice and you'll get pregnant. And that's not what we're saying. At not at all. <laughs> we both know that shit don't work. You know, I yep. definitely believe like your thoughts have an impact on your body but mm-hmm. i i totally believe at the same time that it's not the end all and be all of everything you can still get pregnant and have negative thoughts it that right being human um right. but yeah th- for me i know that i was lucky enough to find because i had to i was like mm-hmm. five years into it i was like shit i'll try anything <laughs> yeah. but um I was lucky enough when I had my missed miscarriage, I had that mindfulness already mm-hmm. in. And I dealt with that situation way better than I would have dealt with it three years ago. Um, I felt hope. I felt mm-hmm. like there, um, it was going to happen now instead of like, you know, because I had changed my diet and my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that shit's not going to work. And, you know, if I didn't change the way I looked at the situation, maybe I would have given up. Maybe I would have just gone, my body can't do it. I'll just grab a surrogate, you know, which if you need that, that's fine. But I'm just saying in my journey, maybe I would have given up on myself. Right. Um, And I think I was so close to giving up. Had that present not come, we were definitely thinking of that was it for us. So, you know, what a blessing that that came to me and what a blessing for you. I mean, you you and I are great examples of you were able to get there before yeah. you know, during your fertility treatment, whereas mine, I didn't really get into that real extreme straight until after. So it's just a great understanding of how it can really benefit you. You're a great example of that. And then I'm a great example of, I thought I was doing it, but I couldn't do it on my own. Yeah. And that is what I just really, that's the hindsight is like, why did I think I could do all this on my own? Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it's so, there's so much compounding, you know, people are like, Oh, my life is so happy. I just am having problems getting pregnant and I'm like really you think it's isolated (laughs) I'm like like, oh let's talk because it impacts every part of your life whether you want to admit it or not I mean it really does and I think that's what you know you start to compartmentalize and that makes it unhealthy as well too because your mind doesn't work that way your heart doesn't work that way you're trying to logically force it to Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't happen that way so at one point or another it's going to creep up and it's going to bite you in the ass so the sooner the better right (laughs) and all your bullshit that you had before your infertility (laughs) that you didn't deal with is gonna is gonna come out at some point as well and i think infertility and even parenthood Mm -hmm. um just heightens it and whether you deal with it or not um i always say people are probably sick of it is that you know I'm a better mom because of it. 
you know, I would have yeah. been a really shit mom if I got pregnant at 27 and, you know, I'll hold my hand up to that. And, you know, hopefully I'm changing, you know, the way my, my kids look at the world now, you know, mm-hmm. you just raise them in a different way. Once you start loving yourself and becoming a calmer person and, you know, realizing that like being type A, I would love to know the statistics on how many <laughs> men are infertile because it seems like there's a lot <laughs> like, or do we become more type A right. when we learn we're infertile because, you know, you have to follow everything to make it happen. But you don't I see any so like many people smoking weed or like <laughs> hanging back going, Hey, I'm infertile. No big deal. It's yeah. like super chill. <laughs> It's like the frazzled women are like, okay, what can I do? I'm researching everything. So no. And it's a great community. It really is. I think so many of us bond over our type A and, you know, compulsiveness sometimes. But but one thing I wanted to touch on, because you just mentioned it was a self-care. And so this is something I'm really passionate about too. And I just want to hit this hard because I think there's a little bit of a misconception about self-care too, right? So there's a lot of research about disciplined self-care versus pampering. Mm Mm-hmm. Pampering feels great, right? Who doesn't love a bubble bath or a pedicure and all of that? But disciplined self-care is when you're really like protecting your heart and doing the things that aren't always fun and aren't always easy, but are necessary for you to really move forward and have that balance. And so I just feel like that's so important to talk about really quickly too, because it's saying no to that baby shower if it's going to be hard for you. It's, mm-hmm. you know, staying in because you're just exhausted with everything that's going on it's choosing to share your story or not share your story. Like those are true discipline self-care. That is something that isn't always talked about either, right? So, and that is such a huge part of mindfulness and being balanced, right? So when we say balance, I don't mean positive. You're not gonna hear me saying everything should be happy and all that because that's not reality. I mean, I'm still, I have to constantly work at everything. It didn't just like, oh, I have all these tools and now everything is great all the time. <laughs> that, that's not reality. And so I just wanna, focus on that, you know, wanted to make sure people understand that part too, because when you hear self-care, you automatically think of the pampering, but there's so much more to it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we see it in the community on Instagram, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the, even the sensitive posts, even if you put the words on and then the picture after, I mean, those are, you know, very triggering things and it's Mm -hmm. okay to unfollow people. And like I saw a post once that this lady was mad that people unfollowed her. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, you know, some you're, we're all on our own journey. You have to protect your heart. I know for me, when I was um, in down regulation on my second frozen embryo transfer, specifically mm-hmm. in menopause, I found out that my girlfriend's baby had died six weeks mm. before uh, he was born with an umbilical cord accident. Wow. And obviously, when you have no emotions, like it just like triggered me massively. I mean, and then it goes back mm-hmm. to like, you know, um, setting in those tools of grieving, you know, it's just like, yeah. you've had a, you know, so it's massively triggered me. And then at that point, I, um, I didn't unfollow my friends, like delete them, but I, right. Them. So on my newsfeed on Facebook, I don't really use Facebook that much, but it's all just, um inspiring stuff from companies who are, Mm -hmm. you know, doing mindfulness or whatever. I don't follow any of my friends because I had to protect my heart. And in reality, I never went back to it because I actually enjoyed wondering what they were up to. Mm. And if I wondered enough, I would call them or I would go into their Facebook feed and have a look of what they were doing and leave a comment or something. Um, 
and standing up for yourself. That is, is so true. It take yeah. care of your own heart. And if that means that you can't do certain things at the, you know, and people are going to be disappointed, then that's, that's just what you need to do for now. And then I think you'll get to a better place. So if you are still dealing with infertility, you might get mm-hmm. to a better place and go, actually, I can go to that baby shower now. I've done the work. I can right. be a supportive friend or I can, you know, meet someone out for a coffee with their children and it not be upsetting. But you definitely mm-hmm. need to take yourself away. And self-care, like you say, is endless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the home <laughs> magic pill. You got it every single day. And yeah, I think, yeah, I kind of find it, um, you know, frankly annoying when I see people post (laughs) shitty chocolate, alcohol, Uh you know, they're watching crappy TV for hours on end and call it self-care and feel like Mm -hmm. that's their, that's going to make them feel better. And it's just a quick fix, isn't it? Right. Doing the hard work that, sorry, just not. Right. I mean, a glass of wine occasionally to feel good oh, for yeah, an yeah. hour, but I'm not it saying shouldn't be your go-to, right? Yeah. So yeah. It's, <laughs> I um, totally agree because it's not detrimental. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying that you can't do those things, but it's a repetitive <laughs> thing, right? You Correct. That, that self-care, you're giving yourself permission to have those things. Where, right? Um, if you're doing it too often, like I did, I know I'm. I drink. <laughs> red wine I mean for a while during my infertility for a long long while and mm-hmm. um you know I had to get to a point where it's like right I don't care if it's every once in a while this I'm still not getting pregnant something still isn't working yeah. you know sometimes you have to go to those extremes let your body heal themselves you know heal itself and then yeah. I drink red wine just had a glass last night you know like <laughs> yeah. I'm back on it <laughs> you don't have to give well, up everything forever Right. And the one thing I wanted to hit on too, because we've been talking about you and I and our different experiences and similarities, but what I wanted to talk about, something we hadn't mentioned is for those women who are going through infertility and maybe they're getting to the point where they're deciding they're not going to go on. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking a lot about self-care. We're talking a lot about hindsight of how to take care of yourself, how to grieve appropriately, whether you're just grieving the lost innocence or you're grieving the loss of an actual baby. I mean, there's still a lot of grieving no matter what part of your fertility journey you're on. But I just want to reach out to those people specifically because there's so much that lies ahead of you too. I have two really close friends who decided not to continue on their journeys and they're not adopting. They're deciding not to have babies. And I've worked with them intensely on their emotional state as well on how to deal with that, how to handle the conversations for the next 10 years of people asking them about, right. oh, are you having a baby? Right. Cause those questions don't just stop. And they don't stop once you have a baby either. I'm like, people just take that question like off of the planet. <laughs> but, but you know, I just want to, I want to reach out to those people who might be listening to if they're thinking, you know, I may not be going on, you know, working with somebody who has an outside perspective, who has been there can help you make those decisions too, right? And help you come to a place of clarity as well. And, and that's what I just think is missing so much in the fertility world is someone to help you find that clarity for whatever path you're going to take, whether you're going to do a surrogate, an egg donor, continue IVF, stop IVF, do adoption. I mean, there are just so many choices and so much pressure. And so making those decisions can feel so overwhelming. And so that's something else, hindsight, of now that what I know, what I know, like, and how I've helped my friends just really want to reach out to those women who might be listening to, because that's a really difficult challenge too. Yeah, massively. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, before, um, yeah, before, well, just after my second IVF, I said to my husband, that's it. 
if trios don't work out, we had five on ice. I said, I'm not doing another round of IVF. And his heart wasn't in adoption. And I'm pretty sure my heart wasn't in egg donor because at the time we thought that was the issue. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think having a plan, um, I mean, that plan's always going to diverge. You know, you might not stick <laughs> to it, but having been really open with your partner about the options. Okay. If this mm-hmm. doesn't work, where, what, what's our next step? And not getting bombarded, you know, not getting blindsided when something doesn't happen and you don't know where mm-hmm. to go. Yeah. Um, and maybe setting limits for yourself, you know, like how many treatments are you willing to do? Um, or how far with diet and nutrition and lifestyle are you willing to give? Um, they're all really important. And yeah, I mean, walking away from fertility treatment or um, even from just trying to conceive is a huge emotional choice and it def- definitely 100% there's a lot of things in the fertility world that just yeah. about right now you know I feel like we're making waves about let's get these conversations started mm-hmm. um, there's a lot to cover and I think a lot of it is um, really overwhelming because um, in our society you're supposed to get married have a baby and right that's that right poof, you just have a baby. <laughs> so, um, and I, I know people are overwhelmed. Um, I think for me, I, I guess I was lucky that I had such a long journey um, mm. that I had, I had the time to start taking care of all this. Um, and we're hoping that our, our knowledge will help you not have such a long journey, but um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that you're not going to yeah. have to put in the hard work. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. I think that's what we're both here with all of our hearts pouring out to you all is that it, and it's worth it. Yeah. It, it's just so worth it. Whether, you know, whatever decision you, you come to and, and whether you have a baby or not for your person, like you as a person, yeah, it's so worth it to remember who you are as a person and, you know, you lose so much of your identity. And I always say it's an evolution, mm-hmm. right? So people will be like, will I ever be the same that I was before? And I'm like, mm, well, I mean, does anybody ever go back to where they were before anything right. traumatic happens, right? So it's yeah. such an interesting question that I get asked a lot. And I'm like, well, no, because you're constantly evolving. Yeah. And, and I, I think, think even if you, you know, didn't go through infertility, you're not the same person right. at 20 to 30 anyway. Exactly. You change and yeah. hopefully for the better. Yeah. But the, you know, all that we're talking about is how to help you get to that evolved state that you're happy with right? That you're happy with yourself. You're happy with your life. You're happy with the decisions that you're making and that you can continue to move forward and continue to evolve and not get stuck, right? We hear so much of people just feeling like they're stuck in this monotony of chaos. And so Mm -hmm. just really working to get out of that is so important. Yeah, definitely. And just as much as you possibly can enjoy the life you're living, you know? Um, Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to look back and, you know, I had a few years that were just miserable because of Mm -hmm. infertility. Um, And those weren't even my heart, you know, like that's not even the years I was having the miscarriages and going through treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, hopefully, hopefully everyone will even just take one little thing away, right? Right. I think we gave quite a few. (laughs) You were like, we're, um, so I'm going to talk about like one major thing, but I can't do that because there's so much that can help everyone out there. So it's hard to, to focus on one major thing. But when I do really think about the one 
absolute major thing that I would have done differently is I would have reached out and gotten help from whoever, whether it's a fertility coach, a counselor, your doctor, your best friend, you know, whatever it looks like for you. But just knowing that there was this bucket of resources out there who can really help you navigate through all of it, all of the shit that you're in right now. That is the number one thing that I, that I would have done differently. Yeah. So that's your hindsight is a bitch. That's usually the question I ask. Yes. Is your hindsight. <laughs> um, and I think too, like just talking it out with someone and they mm-hmm. just give you this, like you say, you got a, a, a token that said, um, sorry, remind me again what the token was. Be brave enough to try again. Yes. And mm-hmm. that gave you you know, the strength to go on. Or for me, like, I know that I was listening to so many podcasts and be like one line of something. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I get that now. And it gave me the knowledge and the strength to go, okay, let's do this. So yeah, yeah, super important. Well, thank you so much, Jackie, for being on with us and sharing your story and how you became your own hero. Um, No, thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Let all the listeners know where they can find you. Yeah. So, um, my business is the supportive mama. So you can go to my site at the supportive You can follow me on Facebook. I have a page in a group, uh, at the supportive mama and Instagram. I am at the supportive mama. So it's pretty easy. I was able to get all of my names. I was super excited. So you can quickly find me, follow me. Um, but I, I am just so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. It, it's just such an honor. And I just really hope that anyone out there who's listening that, you know, well, I know we gave a lot, so I know they at least got one thing from us, but it's been a blast. And I just, I love being able to help women in this, in this area. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll speak again and you have a wonderful day. (laughs) Thank you. You too. A few more things before you go. I'm actually running a little mini competition just here specifically on the podcast. All you need to do to win a free one-on-one coaching session with me that includes filling in the forms, me having a review, us having a chat, and me devising a four-week action plan for you. All you have to do is leave a rating and review down in the show notes on iTunes if that's where you listen to the podcast. I bang on it every single week. This is how the podcast grows and is able to reach other women who are on the same lines of thinking just as you are, ready to take a different approach to getting pregnant. So leave as many as you want and they will be all entered in the draw to win at the end of the month. It is just for the month of April right now. So if you're listening to this in May, the contest is over and I will randomly draw one rating and review out of a hat and that beautiful woman will get a free one-to-one coaching session with me, Monica Gox. Down in the show notes is where you'll find the links to connect with Jackie. That is it for me today. Have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next week.